How many of you were Boy Scouts? Guys, how many of you were Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts? How many of you were Eagle Scouts? I know Rick was an Eagle Scout. That's pretty cool. So um, how many of you were Girl Scouts? Guys, don't raise your hands. You were Girl Scouts or Brownies, I think it is, huh? Yeah, so you learned certain things about principles of life, and you, you learned survival skills, and you learned uh, relationships and things like that. Well, nowadays, they're, they're doing all kinds of weird stuff, so I didn't, uh, I didn't purposely hand it out, but I've got this thing. It's, it's actually from a, uh, an ad that ran. You know that the Boy Scouts are right now, they're dealing with uh, issues of changing their charter, and what they're doing is they're, uh, they're under pressure by especially corporate sponsors to... Uh, change their stance on allowing homosexuals to lead and to be, um, to be, what's it say? To be, uh, well, let me read it real quick here for you. It says, news reports indicate that the national leaders of the Boy Scouts are considering changing their longstanding policy against having openly homosexual scout leaders or scouts. So that's what they're considering this week. They put it off till May. They're just trying to buy some time, but there's a lot of pressure um, to, for them to do. Uh, what, I, what I wanted to point out is one of the things in this article here, it gives a whole bunch of associations that are standing with the Boy Scouts in resisting that. Um, but one of the things that, that caught, my, uh, caught my guard is that it said, um, every American who believes in freedom of thought and religious liberty should be alarmed by the attacks upon the Boy Scouts who have had core convictions about morality for 100 years. Every scout takes an oath to keep himself morally straight. The Boy Scouts have every right to include sexual conduct in how they define that term. Many of our organizations stood with the Boy Scouts when the Supreme Court of the United States upheld their right to maintain their membership standards. To compromise moral principles under political and financial pressure would teach boys cowardice, not courage. Every parent concerned about guarding and protecting their own children should also be alarmed by the proposal, proposed change to Boy Scout policy. As the Boy Scouts of America confirmed as recently as last July, the vast majority of the parents of Boy Scouts reserve to themselves the right to introduce and give guidance on sexual topics. In addition, the current policy is part of the BSA's effort to protect Scouts from sexual abuse. Last year, BSA released their so-called perversion files which contained the names of hundreds of sexual predators who had managed to hide their attraction to boys and enter the Boy Scouts. How will parents be able to entrust their children to the Boy Scouts if they trade the well-being of the boys for corporate dollars? So here's the thing. We, we do not hate homosexuals. We don't hate people who have aborted their children um, in the womb at conception. That's not what the church is for. We're supposed to express the love of God, the kindness of God, the greatness of God. But one of the things is is that we're really in a place where we're beginning to allow anything. We're beginning to become so um, watered down that we don't stand for a whole lot anymore. And it's under the guise of what's called tolerance or even fairness. But the problem is, is that we don't have the same fairness or tolerance toward the message of what we believe and stand for as God has established and created and what he's revealed in his word. So they have a, a louder voice than, than we're actually getting, and we're seen as the extremists. 
if you will. People who are, they call us far right, for example, because we're standing on biblical principles. And what they're trying to do is ultimately the, the word of God is under attack. And what I, what I tell you is that some of this is our, our own doing, folks, because we haven't known how to rightly defend our faith. We haven't known how to, to stand in the midst of those things. And so there's a silent majority that's becoming the majority. Their voice is heard way beyond what their actual numbers are. And so what happens is, is even a danger for a pastor is that this could be considered hate speech. This isn't hate speech, folks. This is a matter of how God created male and female. That's exactly what the Word of God says. It's what we know to be true. Let me tell you, I grew up with this guy. He's a great singer, songwriter. His name is uh, Elton John. How many of you know Elton John? You've heard of him, huh? Well, here's the deal. Wonderful, amazing talent. Well, him and his partner just had a, had a, uh, had a child. No, it's talking about he's, he's openly gay, homosexual. He didn't, they didn't have a child by means of natural process. What they did is they contacted a woman who became a carrier and was a surrogate to conceive a child. In other words, folks, what I'm telling you is God has made it painfully clear the way it works. There's a male and there's female. That's the way it happens. That's not hate. That's reality. So here's what happens is we believe that according to what the Bible says, that a veil is pulled down over their eyes, that they're being deceived. And so now we're talking about genetic mistakes and the fact that, that somehow that's in them genetically to they're predisposed to become. And I'm telling you that, that, would, that that's a mockery of who God is because the psalm that we read today that we applied to Liam is that he is fearfully and wonderfully made. And he's a boy. He's not an it. There's no confusion at this point of what God has created and formed and fashioned in the womb and has laid out for this boy. Men, we need to t- teach our boys to be men. Women, you need to teach your girls to be, to be ladies. It's a matter of things that are acceptable and things that are not acceptable according to our biblical worldview. We shouldn't be afraid of that. We shouldn't be ashamed of it. And we shouldn't torment somebody else who's been tormented by having the wool pulled over their eyes. We believe they're doubly dead because they don't even know it. They don't recognize that they're, they're deceived. And folks, there's, there's a lot of good people who, who operate that, that are, are gay or openly homosexual. You see them on TV all the time. But have you ever noticed what some of the programming is on mainstream TV, TV right now in prime time? I think Modern Family is one of them right now. You know what that's calling? It's, it's showing that there was a surrogate, and it's showing that there's actually two, two dads who are sharing some sort of response. But I don't watch it. I just, I'm aware of it. Folks, what I want to tell you is that, that God will come. There is a day of reckoning, and God's going to come, and it's going to, he's going to take the opinion. Uh, it's not going to be a matter of opinion anymore. He's going to say, this is what I've revealed. This is what I've told you. I've made it even painfully clear in the natural. Now, I'm aware that there could be somebody in the room that's struggling with that kind of stuff. You guys know Ray Boltz, right? So Ray Boltz says he come out of the closet. That's the way that they talk about, you know, they were hiding this thing that they had going on for 30-some years. And then he comes out. He's a, he was a great songwriter and Christian uh, singer. And he comes out and he, he reveals that he's been hiding this all of his, his life and he's just done. He's not going to hide it anymore. 
I'm telling you, you can have really good songs and you can be living a... You know, the Bible in Timothy, he talks about it this way. He says that they hold to a form of godliness but deny its power. Power. When we're singing about the Holy Spirit this morning, we're talking about power. We're talking about not a matter of what we think. It's not an observation we have. You know, there's this idea that there's these ultra-conservatives or conservatives and then these, these radical liberals. And I'm telling you that, that who, why are you letting us be defined by one or the other? The issue is, is that we should be God-focused and God-centered, and we're supposed to be called those of the way, which is who he is. I am the way, the truth, and the life, says Jesus. So I don't know what to do, but I'm telling you the same thing that we want to reach these little kids and teach them about the love of God and what it means to, to grow up as a mighty warrior, see, as a princess, as a daughter of the, of the king. Well, guess what? We're not the only ones. We don't, have the, uh, we don't have the monopoly on that. So what are they trying to do? To indoctrinate kids at an early age to make it somehow acceptable that you can become whatever you have a sense for, a feeling for, an urge of. I lived a part of my life where there were certain impulses that I had of my flesh that I pursued those things. And you know what happened? I found that there was death waiting there. So, you know, I had a message for today. I just I can't give it today. I can't give it because I just don't have the time. It's a, it's a, it's a good message, but it's a big message. And here's what I want to just tell you. I want to I tell you it's about consecration. We dedicated. That's part of what the word consecrate is for. It totally worked to have that message for today. We're on a mission from God. And we've been talking about a mission from God. And one of them was unhindered a few weeks back. And now today would have been consecrate. to uh, Fully consecrated to God. And, and so what ultimately, let me take just a second. I've got to pull this up and get this moving here. I want to give you just a little preface, if you would. And let me do that, and then I will um, wrap up and call the worship team back up here. Fully consecrated. Here's what Joel says, chapter 2. I'm going to do it a little bit reverse order on you because it's good to do that every now and then. You can read it the other way back on yourself. So I'm just reading instead of left to right, I'm going to read right to left. No, I'm not doing that. I'm reading Joel chapter 2, starting at verse 15. This is called the message version. Blow the ram's horn, trumpet in Zion. Declare a day of repentance, a holy fast day. Call a public meeting. Who's going to show up? If I called a public meeting, I said, tonight at 7, I want you all here. How many of you would not be here tonight? Go ahead and raise your hands. Be honest with me. Come on. I called the meeting. I said, it's going to, you've got to be here. And you said, <laughs> sorry, Charlie. Nope. Call a public meeting. We've done that before, and there's a smattering of people. Now, be honest. How many of you wouldn't be here tonight? Raise your hand. I wouldn't be here. Come on. Be honest. I'd call the meeting, and then I wouldn't be here. Some of you would be here. Now, some of you might not. I'm just telling you. Get everyone there. Verse 16. Consecrate the congregation. Make sure the elders come. But bring in the children too, even the nursing babies, even men and women on their honeymoon. Get this, interrupt them and get them there. 
Interrupt them and get them there. This is important, he says. You've got to consecrate the people before the Lord fast. Did you get that one word that I said? Who did he say? Make sure they're there. Who do you say? Elders. Why in the world would the elders not be at a meeting? Unless their love has grown cold. Unless they've come to the place where it's not that big of a deal. It's not going to hurt if I don't show up. There's another hundred people or in this case, million people. There'll be a million. They're not going to know if I'm there or not. What? So the elders, those who have oversight, those who have a position in God, who provide a covering for the people, the elders might not be there. So we've got to say, make sure the elders are there. Well, I don't think that's the case for our elders. I think our elders would be there. I would do everything I had to to make sure the elders were there. I don't think I'd have to implore them that way. I think they would say, listen, if God said, then we're going to be there. But folks, what about our lives, the way we live our lives, the schedules that we have, what fills our calendars and what we find ourselves preoccupied with? I'm going to tell you that that our wealth is a curse in this nation because what it does for us is it it makes us busy with all the... We have to... if, If it's not... If it's not getting a hold of it, it's maintaining it or keeping hold of it. Just think about what your Saturdays and your Sundays and your evenings or afternoons are like. When you get some time available, what are you doing? Washing cars? Vacuuming floors? Replacing windows? Painting walls? Mowing lawns? I'm telling you, the devil's got us wasting a whole bunch of time on stuff that he says is going to be burned up and consumed and will amount to nothing. How many of you have ever had a fire where you lost everything? Anybody in the room lost everything in a fire? Everything in a fire. You didn't get anything out? You didn't put everything out in the yard and say, okay, let's torch the place and act like, oh gosh, what happened? It, it, it took you by surprise. And everything that you would have harvested out of that house, if you knew the fire was coming, it was lost. And yet you're still with us today. You didn't hang yourself. Life didn't come to an end as you know it. Isn't it funny how those things can happen? And yet somehow we managed. But look at how preoccupied we we become with our things. And part of it is we live in a culture that celebrates success. And success is external. It's Hey, I paid 20 bucks for this tie. Isn't it a nice tie? Isn't it totally coordinated with my shirt? Isn't that nice? Guess what? It's flammable. That means it's, it's not worth much, really. Not when exposed to the fire. Do you know what the Bible says about our life? Is that everything about our life, everything that we built our life upon, will be subjected to a fire... It's called the refiner's fire. It's a fire that will judge what we built our lives upon. If it's haywood and stubble, stuff that is just a bunch of make it happen kind of stuff, or if it's been gold, silver, and precious stones, more endearing things, greater value to them. Now, he doesn't want us building with gold, silver, and precious stones. He's we built temples, man-made temples, even to honor God. And his presence dwelt there. And guess what happened to those temples? Psst. Soldiers carried off the gold. 
That's not what it's about. What it means is set your heart on eternal things. Set your mind on eternal things. Live according to eternity, not for the right now, not for the instant gratification. See? So he says, interrupt them, get them in there. Between sanctuary entrance and altar, let the priests, God's servants, weep tears of repentance. Let them intercede. Have mercy, God, on your people. Don't abandon your heritage to contempt. Don't let the pagans take over and rule them and sneer. And so where is this God of theirs? He says, do you get it? You're being mocked. You're being made fun of. We should consecrate, consecrate the people. You've got to stand in the gap on their behalf because they're blind and they've been duped. And it's so bad that even the elders will have to be made sure that they come to this assembly. Well, if the elders, those are in spiritual authority, if they're lackluster and laissez-faire about it, what do you think the condition of the people will be? Take it or leave it. Hey, before I became, went, to, went to Bible school, I, I was riding in the back seat of a realtor's car and just put a $1,000 deposit on a piece of property. I, was, I wasn't going to Bible school. I thought that was, but it didn't. We tried that, tested it, didn't work out. Wasn't the place to go. Arlene was deathly sick. We said, nope, this is an absolute positive no. John Brown University down in the northwest corner of Arkansas. Nope, not doing that. I got this promotion. I guess I'm going to take this promotion. It's a cool thing anyway. Sitting in the back of the car. You know what? I've been 12 years in the pool business. Never had anything bad. I've, I've prospered. I mean, now the president of the company's chosen me to open the distribution center. Largest in the whole United States. I'm going to be the man in Orlando, Florida. Doesn't get any better than that. Not for a high school graduate. I don't have an MBA or an NBA or NLF or any of those things. You know, all I had is this thing that I was giving my everything into, this business. And I'm sitting back there and I'm looking at Orlando pass by. We were talking about, oh, it was going to be a glorious house. Mama would have liked it. It had a mother's apartment, little mama-in-law, I guess they call them apartment. Had a double stairway entrance, 10-foot high ceilings patio door that would open up. We get to choose, Arlene would get to choose all the colors of the carpet, walls and everything. (laughs) It'd be a custom kitchen, brand new everything. She was like, we're in high cotton. And as we're watching Orlando pass by, that thought come to me and, hey, maybe there's not an end of times and maybe there is no God and maybe all this church stuff is just a bunch of baloney. And then it was as if God had a little choker chain around me and went. And he said, whose voice is that? And I'm telling you, if you've never heard the voice of God, you need to pray that you'll hear the voice of God. He said, this is Egypt. This is not what I have for you. Flee. Arlene and I, we stopped. I went back. Remember that? All of a sudden. All their hopes are dashed. <laughs> oh, no, not. We don't want that. Remember, we pulled an overlook we could, over Orlando there, somewhere, a little side street, a dead end where we could look over the realtor and look over the highway. And I told her, I said, honey, this is not what we're supposed to do. 
And I love how God works because what he did is he put in her heart, she didn't fight me at all. She didn't struggle. She said, if that's what you, we talked about, I told her what, what I felt like God said. Meanwhile, our home had a full price offer on it. We got a call within a couple of hours that afternoon. Our home in Pensacola had a full price offer on it. Now, a lot of people in church circles would say, well, that's confirmation. You got the job offer. You got your house is, is sold. Called my boss up there, and I said, here, Don, I said, uh, how'd the interview go? He was interviewing to replace me while I was in Orlando. He says, well, let me just tell you, we're not going to offer him the job. And I, it was audible. I actually said, yes, to the point where he said, Joel, what's going on? He says, what's that mean? I said, I just want to know if I can keep my job in Pensacola. Joel, are, are you serious? He knew I was serious. I said, Don, I can't tell you, but this isn't what we're supposed to do. I don't understand it. This isn't what we're supposed to do. We had to refuse a full price offer on our home. And I went back with egg on my face. He said, this is the largest promotion that would come your way. He said, I'm telling you, are hand-picked. You know, you're Rod's idea. Yep, but I can't do it. Sent my bride to say, look, look at the church, find out. She's volunteering there. I said, find out if they got anything for Bible schools. No doubt I would have been making over $100,000 a year. That was way back in when, uh, 1993. For uh, 22, what was I back then? I guess I was 32 years old. That's not bad for a 32-year-old guy without any formal education. But God had a call on my life, and he had set me apart. And I didn't know that until I was around 30 years old when I accepted Jesus, when he, he revealed himself to me. And I accepted Jesus, and with that, I accepted a new life that he had for me that meant I wasn't going to continue down the road that I'd been going, that he had something different for me. And I want to tell you, some of you in the room today, God's got something different for you. It doesn't mean that you're going to sell everything and go to Bible school or do like I did with two young'uns and, well, one teenager, and Joel was, what, eight? Remember how those were tough times, weren't they, Trish? We went from having a... A, a custom pool in our backyard and the neighborhood kids all coming up and nice little brick ranch down in Pensacola, Florida to where she didn't have uh, her bed, her dresser. She didn't have anything. I think we sold most of all the, uh, even the strawberry, uh, what was her name? Rainbow Bright. And... Yeah. And, and so all of a sudden, it took our daughter there and our son out of their environment. Joel ended up spending, what, um, three different high schools for his high school, four years. Three different high schools. Was a dad, that, that's, that's a lot. But you know what? We wouldn't change it for anything in the world. Except I wish I would have gotten it earlier in my life and come to a point of surrender. Now I got a mansion, Amen. Here's what happens. In verse 18, it says, At that, God went into action to get his land back. He took pity on his people. Folks, what God's waiting on us to do is he's waiting on us to repent. He's waiting on us to return to him. He's waiting for us to make some decisions that are change will change our lives. It will transform our lives. 
God's waiting for people to do that, to choose him over material possessions, to choose him. I'm telling you, I believe there's a day coming in our country where we're right now, we're riding a little wave. It's a redemptive wave because in 2008, there are people who lost life savings, people in, in, this, in this church that you lost a lot when the, the housing market crashed and when, when, the, uh, when the financial crisis hit. And God told me back then, and I shared it with key people in the church, and I don't know how public I've been with it. God told me there'd be a reprieve. He said that this is not going to be the end all. He says, I'm going to allow for a season of reprieve where you'll begin to, where, where there'll success, where everything will rise back up. He says, prepare your lives, prepare your homes, get your houses in order, because then there will become a devastation that will exceed what we've gone through before. Now, I know I'm, I'm just telling you something I believe God has said. The truth and the proof will be in the pudding. That's the way they, they judge prophecies. Does it come to pass or not? I don't prophesy disaster or calamity like that because I want to. I'm telling you that I believe that it, just as the rich young ruler who had many possessions and it hindered him from being able to follow the call of God on his life, so it is for you and I that there's many things in our life that, that actually cloud our lives, cloud our vision, and, and it's what God gave me probably eight or ten years ago that the great American dream has gotten way in the way of the vision from God. The great American dream has gotten in the way of the vision from God. And what God wants to give us is his mandate. He wants us to live this way. Guess what you could do? Is, think about it, folks. We're going to pay between now and, and June. We will pay off our other vehicle. We'll, we'll be without those debts. The only debt I'll have left is my house. If I could sell my house, I still need a place to live. Um, if I could sell my house, I would be totally debt-free. I would be reticent at this point, at this juncture, to buy a house and to be in debt after, after this next year. Now, you can take that for whatever you want it to be, but I'm telling you that a holy God is going to judge an unrighteous people. And there will be those who will say that if they, it's 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. you guys have heard it how many times, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will, yeah, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Wow, here's the problem. The implication is, is they won't want to humble themselves. They become proud. They become full of themselves. So if they'll do this, then I'll respond this way. But the imperative is on the if. Do you think they really will? Because, hey, it's gone good. Things are looking up. Change is, is happening. We've got hope. Hope in what? Hope in the government? Hope in our own ability? Hope in our own talent? Hope in, hope in what? And I'm telling you, God's going to bring it all crashing down and we'll end up in a place of desolation. And those who put their lives in order, you will not only survive, you'll thrive in that place because you'll be seen as the ones who weren't devastated. You'll be seen as the one who had the wisdom to understand and to know the signs of the times. Hello, I'm talking Bible now. It says, you know what the weather is, but you, you, can't, you can't tell what the signs of the times are. Folks, all I'm telling you is, is I'm, I'm, I love money. I've had money. I've spent money. I've been in debt big time, and I've been out of debt. Not fully, but it's coming. Here's what I want to tell you. God has things for you to do. He has things for the church to be about. He has lives that he wants to see transformed, and we're just too stinking busy. Let me put it a different way. You're too stinking busy. 
you're too stinking busy. You're too preoccupied. You're filling your time trying to create entertainment for entertainment purposes. I didn't get to talk to my bride about it, but we've got a 55-inch LCD, LED, whatever that is, TV. You know what I want to do? I want to bring it and put it right here. You know, some of you need to get over an addiction to Facebook and to your cell phone. Some of you are addicted to it. That's what I mean. When it goes off, you're right on it. You got you to shut that thing down for a while. I would tell you that it's a time to consecrate yourselves. I would tell you it's a time to dedicate yourselves. I'd tell you that it's a time for you to do something radical to break whatever it is that's got its clutches in you, that's hindering you, that's keeping you back. It's keeping you from fellowship. It's keeping you from seeking out, going to places and, and having time with each other and having Bible studies and doing things that will actually prosper and, and grow you in a spiritual way. Instead, you're being dulled down and dumbed down. Instead, you're being so, so, so much that you're working so much that you're as miserable as ever. Is anybody any happier because of all the work and labor? If you're not doing it for the Lord, he says it's all vanity. It's going to be in vain. You labor in vain. Consecrate. The first letter in the big consecrate acronym is Christ. It has to be Christ. Well, if you've got two minutes, staying with me because we're worship team. You can come on up. I want to make sure people know that we're safe. We'll get out of here now. I'm quitting. I'm telling you. There it is. I'm flicking through it. Wow, that's a lot. I'm sorry you don't get to hear it today because part of it, part of the word talks about attitude. Part of it talks about being radical. Part of it talks about being engaged. Did you ever think about if if your husband or wife or fiance, if you gave them the little attention you give to God, you think you'd have them? You'd be divorced. You'd be dropped alongside the curb. Kick to the curb. Out of here. But God, he's not like that. He's got this quality about him called long-suffering. How about that? How about you got a God who's long-suffering toward you? What that means is he knows. He's mindful that you're but flesh. He knows your weaknesses. He also knows and he weeps over you because he knows that your life is calamity and he knows that you've been burdened down with many things, many pursuits. He knows that you've been distracted. And he says, Joel, call a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Go ahead and go right in the bedroom and get those newlyweds and get them back out of here. Nothing sacred, not according to how they've made it sacred. Folks, my heart cry is that we'll see the power of God and the presence of God manifest in the church like it was in Jesus' day. I'll tell you, there's churches that, and and we're one. I'm not pointing fingers. We're just dabbling. I just want to present that word to you as I shut up, is I want you to think of, are you dabbling in Christianity? Are you dabbling in religion? Because I know you got 40 and 50 hour jobs that you work at, and I'm going to tell you, apply your trade at that more than you do in your Christianity. That might sound mean, 
that's just meant to do a little wake-up call, to challenge you to be more consecrated to the Lord, to be more dedicated to the Lord, to give Him more time, to, to make time for Him, not to give Him your leftovers, but to give Him your first fruits. Let's pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, I wouldn't make apologies, God, for dedicating Liam or spending time on lingering in worship. And I won't make apologies for not being able to preach the message. It's not for you, God. <laughs> it's for the people. And I pray, God, that somehow, even through these words, that, Lord, um, they don't hear condemnation and they don't hear some mean pastor, some lunatic. What they hear is they, that your word pierced to the heart. And, God, that we all know that we are preoccupied. We're not spending enough time with family, much less with you. We're not spending enough time in, in getting the things done that, that would actually produce some sort of righteous fruit for a long time. So, God, we're people that need reckoned with, and that's what you said. Your word is to consecrate, call a, a, a fast. And, and I'm asking, God, for you to put in our hearts the things that we're to fast from. It may be as simple as a, oh, simple, really? Texting, Facebook. Yeah, I need a computer, and yes, I need to stay connected, and yes, I've got to communicate. But God, help us, please. And Father, I just want to thank you for the opportunity we have of coming before you. I thank you for your word, which is truth. I thank you that the reality is, is that history does repeat itself. And Father, you, your, your word says when everybody's speaking peace, peace, you better be careful. And we heed that warning this morning, acknowledging that everybody's saying it's just going to get progressively better. Everything's on the mend. Everything's coming. It's going to be fine, just fine. There, there. Don't worry your little head. And Lord, the only place it's ever going to be fine is right in the center of your will. So Father, we pray for you to help us to make the decisions, even the tough things. Here we are in a country that can't make the tough decisions about balancing a budget, making the hard calls. But surely that's what we say we do. Can we? Will we? So, Father, I pray that you will help us from head to toe, God, every part of our life that we would be consecrated to you, that, Father, we'll begin to have a greater hunger for your word, God, a greater reality of our need for fellowship with one another. Not just people we'd choose, but people you've chosen and you've called us to be part of. Father, we agree that you called us not to be, uh, to be in the world, but not of the world. Show us just how much of the world we have become. And Father, we praise you and thank you that, that in the end you got it all figured out. It's all solved. It's fixed. <laughs> There's a day coming where, God, you'll set everything in order where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, you are indeed Lord, the Christ, Messiah, King, Boss, Sovereign One. So I lift up my brothers and sisters. I lift up my own life to you, God, and say, I put everything on the, on the altar and let you, God, touch it with fire 
consume the things that need to be consumed so that all that is left, God, will help me to serve you, to serve your purposes, God, that we might be the generation, we might be the, the very people who got a hold of your ways, that we would be representatives of, we would see the greater works in our day, God, in our life. In Jesus' name.